Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. And a big thanks to Kusha's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way commercial free. In business over 16 years here in Tallahassee, tabbed best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine four straight years, Tommy, and six out of the last seven. And I got to set the record straight here. So I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans. Outkicked my coverage as many of us did. It's not about temperature. Is that where you're going? It, it is because I think there's a, a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans uh, at Kusha's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same. And uh, they're open seven days a week, have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. Matter of fact, Kusha's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season. They break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Kusha's. They are on Thomasville Road on the west side just past Cary Forest. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and there is an awful lot to dissect when we're through, the bottom line is Florida State will still be sitting at one and three, so I'm not sure how much better we'll feel. But this, if you can try to separate the emotion and separate the fact that Miami is the winner, it was an entertaining football game, especially in the fourth quarter. You take away that final score and all of the questions that we were asking and all the things we were pondering during the week got answered. Uh, Florida State played very well defensively uh, with some minor exceptions. They were very balanced offensively, over 400 yards uh, in total offense. Uh, Special teams, again, with the exception of the one punt return against, uh, played very well. So if if you'd have won the ball game, you'd had all your answers uh, to your questions, and you'd have been happy with the result. Now you've got most of the answers to your questions, but you're sitting at one and three, and that's the difficult part to get over. I think certainly you feel better about the special teams, which has trended in the right direction for a couple weeks now, and both the punter and kicker have been uh, pretty consistent of late. You feel better about the offense because Blackman, even if he struggled during games, he obviously has some kind of it factor at the end of games. Uh, but to me, where the questions are is when you pull out the play-by-play and you look at it, Keith, Miami got the ball twice in the last six minutes of the game, and they went 75 yards and scored touchdowns both times, and they win 24-20. You know, uh, you can always find fault uh, in what was called. Uh, I think Jimbo would be the first to tell you that if they had executed what was called, it wouldn't have been a problem. There were a couple of breakdowns in that last um, couple of drives. There's no question. I think the real issue, though, Tommy, and and only Coach Kelly and his staff could answer it, is there, there was a reason why they didn't blitz very much. And there was a reason why that they they wanted to keep seven in coverage, um, and and I, whatever it is they saw, whatever they thought they were going to accomplish with that would be, would be the answer to that. Your point is that the last two drives were 150 yards of offense and, and two scores. Why didn't something happen to keep that from happening? Well, in the game, most of the time you don't get real fancy, you don't get real uh, aggressive. Uh, you try to keep everything in front of you, and uh, Miami just executed. Uh, so I don't necessarily find uh, that much fault in it. I'll just simply tell you that it was a game. It was a great, great college game. If you were not a Seminole fan, you'd enjoyed watching it. 
and I go back to my earlier comment, my original comment, we had a lot of our questions answered. Uh, now now the questions are, are can revolve around some other things, uh, but the things that we were concerned about going into the ball game, I think uh, those were cleaned up. We will talk defense in the next segment and then get to offense, and then we'll go a little bit bigger picture. One and three is not a place anybody thought this Florida State football team would be, yet I sit here, Keith, and I still feel like it's a good football team, which is bizarre because I know that folks will be saying, oh, this team's not going to get bowl eligible. I don't have those concerns. You obviously are one game short, so they got to start winning some games. I think they've lost to three pretty good football teams, and had they minded their P's and Q's a little more, they could have won all three of those games. That doesn't make anybody feel better because at the end of the day, it is what it is. What will be the telling um, remembrance of the 2017 season is how this Florida State finish team finishes up. Uh, you, you and I can recall sitting here last year during the 2016 season when we were sitting at two and three, wondering, uh, particularly after giving up 62 or 63 points to Louisville, you know what in the world has happened to the Florida State program? And they reel off seven of eight uh, wins going forward. Almost beat Clemson, the eventual national champions. Uh, win a very uh, well played, uh, contested uh, bowl game against Michigan, and we leave the 2016 season relatively happy. No reason 2017 doesn't turn out indifferent. Uh, we just don't know that yet. And the fear factor, the human nature part of who we are as as uh, people on this earth, we. Get, we just get concerned. I, I'm not. I was much more disappointed in in the win at Wake than I am the loss at Miami. Uh, this was a well played game against a quality opponent uh, in a rivalry setting, and uh, Florida State played well. They just didn't play well enough to win. Yeah, that's exactly the bottom line on it. Next up will be Duke, and we'll talk about the Blue Devils a little bit later on. Uh, I lost my train of thought on where I was going with that, so I'll I'll regather, and in the meantime, we'll listen to what Jimbo Fisher had to say uh, after the game. Miami scores on a 23-yard pass from Malik Rozier to Daryl Langham with six seconds left to win this game 24-20. to uh, This uh, audio is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Let's listen in to Coach Jimbo Fisher. Congratulations, Miami. Made a, did a heck of a job, played a heck of a football game, made the plays when they had to make it at the end. Uh, congratulations to Florida State. Florida State played a hell of a football game, too. Made plays at the end when they had to, too. It was a heck of a football game. It came down to the end. They made one more play and got the one inch that they needed to get the touchdown and uh, do the things in which they needed to do. So uh, told our players, they can say, there's no reason to hang your head. You competed your tail off. That was a classic game. That was a great game. They were a good team. We're a good team. They made one more play. we got to find ways to do that. We had some opportunities in the first half on offense, stalled around the 40, 45 on some things, but we played good teams. That happened. They battled. They they won the third quarter. We turned around and battled right back in the fourth quarter. Uh, had some great jobs. James uh, got a little – just made a couple poor decisions there. Coming out in the second half, lost his composure. Not like composure, but just made a couple things. Didn't see it right, but then regrouped and did a great job moving the ball back down the field and did a heck of a job putting us in a position to win. Our defense made plays. The first half was outstanding. Second half, we gave up a couple, hit a couple third and longs, and then uh, uh, they picked one up there at the end and, hit, and had a two-minute drive. But they, they played their tails off. Those guys played hard, both sides, kicking game. Did a nice, solid job. It was just a great football game, and they made one more play. And there's opportunities on both sides to, for plays to be made. And uh, at the end, that's what, that's what happened. So we'll live with it, and we're going to get in. But I was proud of our team. I, I still think I think we really grew today in a lot of ways. Got better. 
still one and three. I understand that, but at the same time, we're getting better. And uh, they're still a good football team. I still think it was a great season out there to be had. So looking forward to having a great week of practice. Put this behind us in 24 hours and get ready to go play a t- very good Duke team on the road. So we'll get ready to play. Again, that's courtesy of Seminoles.com, Jimbo Fisher's team at one and three. I know what I failed to uh, – what, what what ran through my mind before that clip. So you were in the fourth quarter, Tommy, on the last drive, yeah. and you had a mental mistake. That, that that sounds silly, but that's how close these ball games are, uh, and this is what makes the difference between winning and losing. What I was going to say is that USC was one and three last year after their start, and they wound up finishing the way they did and winning the Rose Bowl in dramatic fashion over Penn State. Obviously, a lot of a long way to go for Florida State to get to to that point. But uh, to your point about feeling better about the team, you also have NC State, which obviously is a pretty good club. They beat Louisville the other day. Wake Forest loses twenty eight to fourteen at Clemson, showing that you know what, maybe they're a pretty decent team too. And they knocked Clemson's quarterback out. I don't know if that's serious. That all may not mean anything to our listeners right now who are just disappointed uh, at the way this finished. To me. Uh, it's very big for Miami. It's the first time they've beaten Jimbo. It's also uh, the first time they've gotten over the Florida State hump in several years, so we'll see what they can can do with it. Uh, it it's not as devastating necessarily as the wide rights and those games from back in the day, at least to me personally, because wide right one, which will always hurt the most, was a 10-0 and FSU team that was going to win a national title, and I don't think at 1-2 and two, we really thought that's what was hanging in the balance for this year's team. No, not at all. And, and if I can, um, let's go back and look at a couple positive things. Coming into this Miami ball game, we were concerned about the offensive line. Uh, four of the five starters uh, had missed time during the game against Wake. Um, a couple of high ankle sprains, some other things. I thought the offensive line played extremely well. I know there were four sacks, but I'd be willing to bet that uh, a couple of those uh, were receiver and or quarterback sacks, not breakdowns by the offensive line. I thought the offensive line uh, you know, re- kind of redeemed itself. Uh, Nooney Murray got a, a little bit uh, of action in there. We saw um, Alden Tate uh, with a very, very gamey game. Uh, that shoulder, you could just tell by the way he was hanging that left arm was just killing him, and he came up with some dramatic catches. Uh, Blackman, the freshman, um, stood in tall in the pocket, uh, delivered the ball. Uh, we got some passes to the tight end, and probably more than anything else, you got to see the two the two headed monster that can be Florida State's tailback in Patrick and, and Acres. Um, Cam goes over a hundred yards for the first time in his career. Uh, Patrick uh, slowed a little bit with an ankle problem, uh, was right at a hundred yards himself. I mean, there was a lot of positive things to take away from the offensive performance. Um, You can't overlook and you can't mistake uh, the final outcome, but there was some components of what happened uh, Saturday night in Doak Campbell Stadium, a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, uh, that I, I take as very positive. We'll get back to the offense in just a little bit. I need to remind our listeners that uh, this program comes your way in large part due to the good folks at Couches Bayou Rouge out on Thomasville Road, just past Cary Forest on the left-hand side. Great brunch, including Sunday brunch, if you have that in mind uh, today or at any point. They they serve breakfast uh, from Wednesday through Sunday, but they're open seven days a week, kid-friendly, and uh, good food. That's our, our friends down at Couches. We will turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball when we come back. We are just getting started here on Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. 
Tom Block and Keith Jones back with you here on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. Miami wins 24-20 to over Florida State, so the seven-game win streak is over. The Knowles fail to tie the all-time series at 31 apiece, and the Canes go up 32-30 in what has been a, a terrific rivalry. And, uh, uh, you know, if you just step back, and it's hard to remove the emotion, KJ, the games have been excellent games with tons of fourth quarter drama you made that point already if you're a college football fan with no nothing attached this was an entertaining game let's talk about the Florida State defense though first in the first half Miami could not get its running game on tack I mean uh, on track Mark Walton who came in averaging nine yards a carry and I know he had a bad ankle to some degree he uh he averaged 2.1 yards per carry Miami didn't even cross midfield in the first half 56 yards of total offense is what uh, Florida State's defense held Miami to in that first half. It was 3 nothing at the half. Um, I had a little bit of mixed emotions. Uh, I, I felt like there was a couple of opportunities when Florida State could have put some points on the board, uh, more than the three, the one uh, Aguayo field goal. But I was extremely impressed with what the defense have done. Uh, you saw Miami make some changes. They went to, to Berrios. Uh, more in the third and the fourth quarter, the slot receiver, and, and they found a little bit of an Achilles heel in Florida State's defense. They took advantage of that, but in the first half, it was lights out for that Florida State defensive unit, and they played extremely well. So Miami makes that adjustment. Florida State, what did they fail to do? Because if you look at it in the second half, uh, Miami, you mentioned 56 yards in the first half. They wound up with 337 yards of total offense. So they obviously had about 275 in the second half, and 150 of those came on the last two drives of the ball game. Well, they went a lot of man coverage. We talked in the first segment uh, that they didn't put a lot of pressure. We didn't see a lot of blitzing. But you did see a lot of what we used in the old day call five under. Uh, they would have man coverage uh, up on the receivers and then have safeties over the top. And what they did with Barrios, the slot receiver, is he never got deep enough for the safety to get involved. He ran some hide routes, some crossing routes. He'd only get six or eight feet uh, yards down the field, and uh, you'd have someone on him most of the time uh, in pretty tight coverage. In fact, the touchdown uh, pass that he caught was very nice coverage. It was just a very, very well-thrown ball, and um, they took advantage of that matchup. Tommy, when you can get that slot receiver that's quick, and he can make cuts and isn't afraid to catch the ball over the middle. And you've got a quarterback that can put the ball on him uh, like uh, Rogier was able to do. Uh, you've got to give Miami credit for out-executing in that situation, and, and hats off to them for doing it. So how do you defend it? Because Kyle Myers was in good position, but all you need is a step. The eighth thing you do is you start bringing pressure because you, you've got to get Rozier to get rid of the ball a second quicker than he wants to because those routes do take him a little bit of time to develop. Um, but for whatever reason, Florida State chose not to do that. Uh, you know, you, you can talk all the, you want to about how you want to shift personnel around and, and you know, you want to double up people. But uh, the ability to, to bracket and double up receivers is something that's done at the NFL level. It's not done a lot at the college level uh, because it's a pretty complicated thing to do, particularly on a slot. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, short of bringing pressure and making Rogier uh, get rid of the ball quicker, which, you know, I, I think they were worried about because he's such a gifted runner. You know, you, you don't want to give him the ability to escape or to get through a lane into the interior part of the line and get him in the open field because he's such a dangerous uh, person with the ball in his hands. Uh, this just didn't work out well. For, Miami out-executed Florida State in some key areas uh, in order to win this ball game. All right, I want to be uh, careful how we have this conversation, but it was not a good second half for Tavares McFadden. And he's a very good corner. The guy's going to play in the NFL with that length and size, no question. 
the third quarter, the first drive from, I think it was the first drive, Miami was backed up third and 20. And this one might not have been on McFadden, but there was some sort of mix-up where it looked like McFadden passed the receiver off and the safety wasn't there. They convert third and 20. Uh, there was another play, I think it was the second to last drive of the game. The tight end goes for about 35, 40 yards because McFadden was showing corner blitz. And whether this, I don't know who failed to pick that guy up. I don't know if McFadden saw that the guy was was open, but he should have backed off of that potentially. I'm going to let you comment on all this in a minute. And then the last drive of the game, uh, Miami, three of the last four plays of the game, Miami targeted McFadden, who is FSU's shutdown corner. Uh, and they ended up gambling and coming up right because they beat him for the game-winning touchdown. So that said, I laid out the landscape. I'll let you react to those. With, with McFadden, Tommy, it's all concentration. Uh, he he unfortunately believes that that he can take plays off, and that doesn't mean that he's loafing. It doesn't mean that he's not doing his job, but he's just not focused. Uh, that touchdown pass, uh, he was too nonchalant. Uh, you know that tight a, a ball game that far into the ball game. You know, grab the guy. You know if he gets behind you, grab him. Take the flag. Don't let him catch the pass. And you've got to know that. Uh, the corner blitz, uh, I'll give him a pass on that because his assignment is to blitz, not to do more than he's supposed to do to try to cover up for someone else. Uh, that particular play was the perfect play to call against the corner blitz. I'd love to talk to Mark and, and know whether Rozier checked to that or they saw it coming and it got sent in from the sideline because it was the perfect play, perfect call against that particular defense. Uh, McFadden's got to learn to play 60 minutes of football. He's got great talent, as you mentioned, uh, his length, his speed. Uh, he'll make some money on Sundays, uh, but he won't last long if he doesn't learn how to play 60 minutes of ball. Let me ask you this now. In light of uh, he's had four games now as the punt returner, and to me, too many balls are hitting the ground. Now, I'm field level, and it's harder for me to judge that unless I'm right at the same yard line as where the punt returner is. A lot of times I'm at the opposite end. So is that is that fair? Should Florida State look at somebody else there, or has he done an adequate or a decent job? Did a good job in the first half. Uh, the one that he couldn't get to in the first half, uh, you know, he, he, he couldn't get to. Uh, but there were a couple of others. You're exactly right. Um, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I mean, he hasn't shown me that he's going to do anything um, spectacular. And um, and I'm ready to, to see if someone else can do, at least catch the ball. Uh, you know, when you talk about being criti critical of people, uh, one of the things they always say is, well, you know, what have you done? Well, I returned punts as a sophomore and not area one of them. That's a wildwood term, by the way, in area one. Not in area one of them hit the ground. Um, there, you, can, you can catch the football on a punt. It's like rebounding in basketball. It's all want to. All right, we'll uh, save special teams talk for now. We'll, uh, we are talking defense here. Derek Noddy in the defensive line. This has been the same theme all year long. They've done their job. They've been they've been really good. That that four man front. I mean, Miami comes in with what they've done. They wind up. What did they finish with in terms of rushing? Eighty three yards rushing. And so this game an anomaly based on serious history. Normally the team that rushes for more yards wins. And FSU ran for two hundred three yards in this game. But uh, let, let's go back. This is Derek Noddy after the game, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Um, in the fourth quarter, um, motion wise, it's kind of going up and down, up and down. Um, I feel like in the, the last minute of the fourth quarter, it kind of kind of hit um, a lot of people kind of hard. As far as you know, making sure that things stay positive in the locker room, how do you make sure everyone kind of bounces back from from tough ones like like this one? With things like this, honestly, you just gotta gotta make corrections from certain mistakes, little slip ups and things here and there. You just gotta take take this and learn from it, 
going to keep him moving. What kind of adjustments did Miami make in the second half? Um, I mean, I only paid attention to the O-line. Uh, from what I've seen, they kind of did the same, like around the same type of schemes, but a little bit of a mix of um, different type of passes, runs, things like that. As far as you know, the, the, the defensive line is concerned, what were you guys able to do, especially in, in the first half that you were able to have some success? Um, we're just focusing on the little things, just our technique, honestly. What was um, what was it like, the, the crowd like, and, and the momentum like, and when you guys were, were making some big plays? Um, I mean, with the crowd I was making big plays. The crowd was kind of hyped about it, just getting loud, getting loud, cheering on, cheering on, cheering on the sideline the same way. Was it important for you guys as a defense to see the, the offense come up big and, and make some big plays in that fourth quarter? Uh, yes, actually, yes. It for the whole team, everybody thinks everybody if offense makes a big play, that affects defense. Defense is a big play, vice versa, it affects offense. Thanks again to Seminoles.com and Derek Noddy. I mean, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, the sack numbers have not been big, but at the line of scrimmage, Florida State's front four has has measured up to some some very good uh, teams, and they've played well. And and their performance, we were questioning ourselves earlier why Florida State didn't blitz more. Maybe they didn't feel like they needed to because that front four had been playing so well. Uh, it's just disappointing. Uh uh, you know, we had the questions about uh, the want to and the effort. All that, I think, got answered in the Miami game with very few exceptions. And it's just a shame that uh, that unit, particularly the front four defensively, uh, were not able to walk off that field victorious. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball that sticks out? There's one uh, borderline, I guess, personal foul on a late hit on uh, Brian Burns, if memory serves. But uh, all in all, I mean, the first half really was lights out. And then Miami made some adjustments at halftime. And I didn't view Burns as, as a late hit, Tommy. He slung the quarterback down kind of after the fact. Uh, so that's a correctable error uh, or something that you can uh, make sure Brian understands we don't do anymore. And we should give some kudos to Stanford Samuels, uh, the third, who has the one uh, turnover recorded by the Florida State defense, a guy who grew up in South Florida. I saw Stanford Samuels, the second on the sideline, obviously a proud moment for Dad, who had a very memorable play of his own when he hit Roscoe Parrish in this series years ago, another game, unfortunately, that, that Florida State lost. So I don't know if that's the connection. I don't like that one. But uh, Stanford, we haven't talked a lot about him this year. He's he's a talented player. Well, And he played a lot. Uh, Coach Kelly used him a lot, particularly in that second half. And uh, he did come up with that big play, his first career pick. So uh, hats off to him. Florida State uh, falls to 1-3. Miami wins it at the end, 24-20. We'll come back and talk about the Florida State offense, uh, which was balanced and went over 400 yards yesterday against the Canes. Stay with us. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. The Florida State offense yesterday, Keith, finishes with 203 yards rushing, 203 yards passing. I think you'd classify that as a balanced offense. Last time I checked, the math works out that way. They controlled the clock, uh, what, 30, almost 35 minutes of possession. You know, I, I, I thought they played very well, particularly in the second half uh, when they had to answer Miami's scores to, to come back and, 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 uh, and, and get the lead. 
though it was short-lived. Uh, they did a great job of, uh, of rushing the football. That's what I was most impressed with. I think Jimbo and the staff have learned that uh, when Patrick's in there, you know, line up in the eye and kind of run straight ahead. When Cam's in there, you know, because of his quickness, a little bit of his elusiveness, you know, you can work him side to side and do some creative things with him. Uh, they both had a couple of pretty nice runs, uh, 30, 40 yards apiece. Um, I, I thought the offense played well. Uh, and I, I don't know that going into the ball game, you thought that 20 points would win it. Uh, maybe you needed a little more than that. Uh, but uh, I give uh, high praise to the offense. I thought they performed well. Here's where I'm going to go back and reflect on a conversation, something I told you. I don't think I said it on air, Keith, but uh, before the game I said, I, I, this game is going to re- reminds me of the 0-2 game. Was this you I had the conversation with? Well, I told somebody, I don't know who it was, that I thought Florida State was going to run the ball well, sort of the thunder and lightning attack with Greg Jones and Nick Maddox, which was the 0-2 game. And, and they did. Both Those two ran it. And unfortunately, the other part of that is FSU lost the 0-2 game at the end on a missed kick by Xavi at Bathia. This one wasn't a kick, but a similar, similar script in the way it finished. But uh, we'll talk about James Blackman in a minute. I will just say this. If maybe if it's Francois, but if there's a, a quarterback who's a little more developed, this is not a knock, knock on Blackman. He's in his third game. I, I think Cam Akers would have taken a couple to the house by now, and 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 Patrick would have had more. In other words, if you if you had to respect the passing game a little bit more, I think those numbers would be even better. Cam Akers is coming. Twenty carries for 121 yards, and Jacques Patrick is is a nice. That's a nice one-two punch they have, regardless of who you classify as one. The one thing that we don't know, unless you sit down and, and if Jimbo would be honest with you, is we don't know how much Blackman is able to do at the line of scrimmage. To the naked eye, it doesn't appear that he does much. Uh, we know that Francois could get them in a, in a better plays or get them out of bad plays. Not sure how much Blackman is able to do that. Wouldn't expect him to do very much, if any, in that regard. So there, there's one element of the offense that, that can't be controlled because of the youth youthfulness of your quarterback. But in terms of making plays... Uh, being mobile in the pocket, throwing the ball. He did have the one interception on the rollout when he should never have thrown the ball. That that's a that was a freshman mistake on the one pick there. Uh, but he's able to elude. He's able to move. He can make some things happen with his feet. His skill set and his ability to throw the ball is such that you've got a lot to work with. Uh, it's going to take some time from the experience standpoint. There's, there's just no substitute for experience. You, the only way you get it is by doing it. And uh, I'll be interested to see how much of a leash they continue to give him and how much better uh, he's put in a position to make some pre-snap decisions along with his great uh, ability to make plays happen with his, his just his natural raw talent. The disappointing thing on that interception, Keith, is that he could have run for 15 yards on that play, but he forced it into double coverage. He did have an, another interception in the second quarter, and that was one that it was borderline. looked to me like the ball hit the ground. But there wasn't enough to overturn the ruling on the field, and so they left it. Uh, all in all, at this point, he's played three games uh, against three really good defenses, honestly. Two of them very good in NC State and Miami. And Wake, uh, I think we undersell a little bit. I don't think you can can argue with and, – and, and Jimbo deserves some credit here, too, and the rest of the offensive staff. I mean, they've, they've tried to keep him in good situations, but he's protected the ball for the most part. That one rollout and throw in double coverage is the exception. Well, and, and what will happen there is is his field of vision, you know, he's taught to look down the field. 
which is what you want to start your quarterback out doing. But if he'd have looked at the way the coverage was bracketed, because I just happened to look up and was watching the receiver, you knew that you, you would become knowledgeable enough to know that that corner can flip his hips and get underneath that ball. Then you lower your vision back down. And you say, wait a minute, there's a lot of green grass here. And you, you, what I just said takes 15 minutes, seconds to say, but it would take about a half a second to process once you get experienced. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the next time that very same situation presents itself, he tucks that ball and gets that 15 yards, and we don't have to talk about an interception. Let's listen to uh, Jacquez Patrick's comments after this game, and then we'll continue our discussion about the Florida State offense. Uh, Patrick, by the way, finished with 11 carries for 91 yards. He was well on his way to 100 yards, and then he got dinged. Uh, fortunate it wasn't more serious than what it initially appeared. But here's Jacquez Patrick, courtesy of Seminoles.com. That's tough, man, you know. You know, those are the uh, final seconds of a game, man. It's just tough, man. You know, uh, but we got to keep our heads up, you know. We play a hell of a game, you know, just came down to, you know, um, I play, you know, so you never know what play changed the game. And, you know, they made more plays than us tonight. So, that's all to them. How important was it to, to see the offense kind of continue to, to bounce back and, and make plays in the fourth quarter and coming back a couple of times? You know, uh, it's just a testament to how we practice, you know. We always we always practice hard. You know, we have adversity in practice. You know, you got adversity in the game. You know, we never got lost our confidence. And that was the biggest thing. We knew we could score. He was moving the ball all game. You know, everybody, a lot of guys made different made plays. You know, so it, we was never, never our confidence never shook. You know, um, when you know when they scored and they got to score again. So it was, that was the biggest thing, confidence in that. You and Cam, you guys are you guys starting to get kind of comfortable as a duo and, and being able to share carries and know when one of you needs to, to come out, go in. Yeah, uh, it was. You know, Cam helped me a lot today. You know. Um, um, I had a little leg injury, but, you know, he, he stepped up big. You know, I'm really proud of him. I told him I love him, man, you know, because he, he really helped me out today. You know, we had a big game. You know, uh, O-line opened the hole, so, you know, both of us. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a great you know, thing to see him, you know, be able to you know, do what he did today, too. What can you say about Auden and the way that he just continues to come in and make plays? I mean, I, the dude's obviously in a lot of pain. Yeah, he, that's, that's, just, that's what it is. He's, he's a playmaker, you know what I'm saying? He became a force State Florida to make plays. You know, no matter the circumstance, you know, you know the circumstance is going to change, you know, are you? That was the biggest thing, you know. He you know, he, he don't change, you know, no matter the circumstance. And, you know, he made a big play at the end for us. You know, unfortunately, you know, it just, you know, it wasn't enough. How do you make sure the locker room stays positive after, after one like this? You know, uh, it's a tough one, you know. Uh, yeah, we had a dude that was something like this in North Carolina last year. You know, we grew, you know, from a big time. So, you know, it's just uh, just trying to grow from it, you know. We had, we had this happen to us last year, and, you know, so we got to, you know, keep our heads up and just go to work on Monday. So Patrick and Akers, uh, quite a tandem there. Akers, 20 carries, 121 yards, and Patrick, 11 for 91. And the long runs, Patrick had a 34-yarder, Akers had a 46-yarder. The tight end was back involved. Uh, we knew Izzo could still catch the football, and Florida State did a nice job of scheming to get it to him. And tell you what, for a while I thought FSU was going to get the last laugh with a tight end uh, making the big catch in the Miami game. Well, I think Izzo finished with four catches. Remember, at least in the last couple of ball games. Uh, by scheme and design, they've had to keep the tight end to, in to help with uh, protection. And uh, this particular game, the offensive line raised its game, and the tight end was able to be more involved in the passing game. Uh, and there were a couple of other times that Izzo was targeted, uh, that he was either well covered or uh, Blackwing was unable to get the ball to him. But I thought Ryan had a fine game. Uh, he's a very steady 
uh, weapon for Florida State. He does block well, which sometimes I think is to his disadvantage because they ask him to do that. Uh, but he's also able to, to he flexed out, uh, get four or five yards outside of the tackle, actually stand up, not have to put his hand in the dirt. Uh, and a, he had a great route, a great read by Blackman on the touchdown reception. And, uh, you know, I, I, it won't surprise me uh, if you see Izzo continuing to work his way into this offensive game plan. Uh, he's that reliable and that good. Well, one place where we're going to need somebody else to step up is at the receiver spot because Tate, is unless they sit him down at some point, is going to be playing with a bad wing for a long time, I would think. Because what he needs is two weeks of not lifting his arm up and resting it two to three weeks, in my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. Uh, but he's obviously gutted out and made big catches two weeks in a row. But Keith Gavin went down. They carted him off. Uh, as we're recording this, I don't know what the prognosis is, but I can't imagine it's good. So somebody else is going to have to step up. I don't know if that's DJ Matthews, who looked good on the last uh, play of the game on the kick return, looked elusive, but somebody else is going to have to step up. Well, that, that's what happens. And we knew coming into the season that from a, a body count standpoint, the receivers were a little bit thin. Uh, you know, you've had a couple of them get nicked. Uh, I think Campbell was uh, technically questionable, though he did play a, a number of stats in the game last night. Uh, and 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 we got to go to back to talking about Nooney Murray. Uh, he he got a couple balls thrown his way. He was very very nonchalant on that lateral. Uh, if there had been a Miami player anywhere around, that would have been another turnover. Um, you you, you got to be aware of situations. Uh, and I think everything with with uh, Nooney is, uh, as you get tired of me saying, is above the shoulders. It's all about his attitude and his want to and his focus or lack thereof. Uh, but somebody has got to help Alden out because uh, he, he can't continue to carry the load by himself, even if he was healthy. You've got to have somebody you can go to on the other side of the field occasionally. Uh, that person hasn't identified themselves yet. Jimbo does not run his quarterbacks a whole lot. He did have a designed run that went for, uh, I mean, it was wide open, completely fooled Miami yesterday. I thought we might see it a couple more times. Do you? Maybe we should know the answer to this by now, but it just feels to me like maybe two carries, two design runs, a half, one a quarter, something like that. If you have ten possessions, maybe it's every other possession. You could get Blackman involved a little bit more. What your thoughts? Uh, well, I think because you're on your number two quarterback and, and the, the people behind, you know, you're going farther down the depth chart. Uh, balancing that, I think the answer to that is more instead of a particular number is time and place, uh, particular position on the field, particular down and distance, particular time in the ball game. Uh, but I do think that Jimbo is gaining confidence in using him, and it would not surprise me if Blackman doesn't have a, a, a few more design runs his way. Florida State with 406 total yards of offense to 337 for Miami, but Miami wins it 24-20. to We'll come back and have some big-picture thoughts right after this on uh, Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday. Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, thanks again to uh, the good folks at uh, Kush's for their support uh, of the program. As I've mentioned, you need to head down and uh, pay them a visit. Uh, the Block family is out there quite frequently, uh, I would say about once a week generally, because we live pretty close to the location uh, out on Thomasville Road. My son Garrett and I ate there Friday. So there you go. So what we're saying is that you might have a brush with minor cel- – no, we're not really even saying it would be a celebrity <laughs> sighting. But you might run into Keith and I if you go to Kush's. Food is good. It is kid-friendly. I get asked that question, so remember that. And uh, they're coming soon to College Town as well. All right. Uh, 
we're going to go big picture here. I, I, I want to say this real quick, because, and I said it on the radio broadcast yesterday, Keith. I think this is a microcosm uh, in, in two plays, maybe three, of the entire season. But it was third and whatever it was in the third quarter, and Florida State calls a screen pass or a, a swing pass to Jacquez Patrick that he's, gonna, he's not going to take it to the house, but he's going to get a first down if he catches it. So he drops it. That's a, it's a ball he should have caught. I'm sure Blackman could have thrown a better pass. Either way, it's details. It's a little thing. Then Miami's defender took four to five steps after the incompletion, runs into Patrick, hits him. One official throws the flag. The other doesn't. Now, the reason they picked up the flag is because Patrick didn't fall over, which does not change the fact that the play ended and Miami's defender took four to five steps and lowered his shoulder into Patrick. So it should have been a penalty. The point I'm saying is that Florida State's not had a great year with the officials this year. Not that that changed the game, but that's just kind of the way it went. Okay, so that happens. Then it's time for Florida State to punt. Somehow, with all that going on, Florida State only has 10 guys on the field. So with about six seconds left on the play clock, they run somebody out there who lines up maybe one or two spots down from the center. And you need the guy. You don't want to block uh, 11 with 10. But the point being, by the time that ball is snapped to Logan, there's literally one second on the play clock. So what does that do? That gives Miami, they know the ball is going to be snapped. So they're off a little bit more quickly. Tyler hurries his punt, and he mishits it. It's a line drive. Well, when you line drive a punt, that means the coverage team is not there. And what happens? Berrios gets his biggest return, flips the field completely, and Miami scores points. So that sequence right there, Keith, to me, that's the season in a nutshell, and it played out in about two to three plays. And it's the other part that, you know, uh, the, the I won't say the typical fan, but I'll say the, the one that wants to go negative first or quickest against Florida State doesn't want to hear about, but it's the reality. That's how much parity there is in the college game now. You're, you're not going to have – the the forty seven to nothing scores like you've had in the past where your your team is so much superior to the other team it just doesn't happen and it's the little things uh, Coach Fisher on the post game show on the radio was talking with Gene and the first thing that came out of his mouth was we came up six inches short I mean that that's how close these games are becoming and how important uh, all of the, the the small details really are if you want to be successful now. That doesn't take away from the fact that we're sitting here at one and three, and and nobody's happy with that. Uh, But the reality is, as we began this show, and as you and I were talking before we even began to sit down for the show, uh, this this loss, to me, feels better than the win at Wake Forest because you got some things answered. You, know, you got some questions, uh, you know, taken care of. As Coach Fisher likes to talk about, got to get some things cleaned up. Well, they they cleaned them up. They look pretty good, and it comes down to six seconds. And an extremely talented uh, ball club in Miami and a very hard-fought 60 minutes of football. comes down to six seconds. That's the difference between winning and losing in the college game these days. All right, i got two big-picture thoughts to go to, but let's talk about our performer of the game. Well, we do want to take a minute and talk about the Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game, and hats off to Ryan Izzo. 15-yard touchdown reception uh, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, great route, great throw by Blackman. Florida State ties the game up 10 apiece. Uh, you felt like the momentum had headed uh, Florida State's way. If you're looking for a home mortgage, contact Prime Meridian Bank. You can reach them at 850-907-2301 or on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank. The right answer, the first time, Prime Meridian Bank offices Tallahassee and Crawfordville. First question I have, and as I look at this, and I don't have the play-by-play 
sheet in front of me, so I may be mixing things up in my head, Keith. But Miami had 11 seconds left when they threw that ball to Daryl Langham. I think there was 11 seconds on the clock. Six afterwards, I so, guess. My question is, and it was at the 23-yard line, uh, and I may be remembering. Were you surprised they took a shot at the end zone? Did you think maybe they would say, let's just get five yards, put the ball exactly where we need it, and go to overtime? Nah, not They had two timeouts. Uh, so they, they can control that. You could run two plays with those timeouts. So taking a shot into the end zone the way they did it, uh, certainly you would not want your quarterback to pull the ball down and scramble. Uh, so I think the, the the instructions to Rozier was to throw it where only he can get it. And if it's uh, complete, we win. If it's incomplete, it's not. We line up, tie the ball game, go to overtime. And obviously he completed it. They got the win. We talked about that. And uh, your point about McFadden should have tackled him, do whatever you can in that situation, make him line up and do it again. All right, the, the second big picture thing I want to go to right now is uh, the bowl situation because I'm, I'm sure folks are talking about it. Florida State has the longest bowl streak in the country. They're about to tie Nebraska for the longest one ever, and yet they sit at 1-3 and three right now, Keith. And uh, there's seven games left unless they definitively put Louisiana Monroe back on. So if you stick at seven, uh, got to get to five and two over those last seven with a game at Clemson and at Florida to get to six wins. Now, maybe there can be an exception or whatever. Some years there's an exception if there's not enough teams to fill bowl slots. Maybe there can be an exception if you didn't play a 12th game because of extenuating circumstances. But bottom line, it is going to get stickier than perhaps we, we wanted it to be. Well, you're, you're going from the fan perspective about the big picture. Here's my comment that will probably annoy you. I don't care right now. Uh, that's not a, a least concern of mine right now. The only thing that matters right now is getting ready to go up to Duke and win a ball game against Duke. I can't worry about what's going to happen over the next seven games. I can only worry about what's going to happen in the next game and then start building a little momentum in that regard. All of that will take care of itself. Uh, but I understand why you bring it up and where it comes from, and there'll be plenty of conversation about it, but it's meaningless conversation as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that matters now are the Blue Devils. So that said, that's another big picture question then. How do you expect this team to respond? I mean, this is a team that's 1-3, a team that started the year at number three in the country, a team with a lot of NFL talent, especially on defense, that could start playing for me, 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 and not team, team, team right now. Well, first of all, I hope they get mad. I hope they're angry. I hope they're upset, not to the degree of being out of control, uh, but this needs to affect you. If you're if you're a, if you're a competitor, uh, you should not be happy sitting here at one and three. Number two, those that choose to play for themselves will get shown up on tape, and everybody will know it. So the best thing, that really the only thing that is in your best interest personally, is for you to play your position and and hold everyone else accountable because if Florida State completely unravels and this thing in Florida State ends up five and six and doesn't make a bowl game, do you think that helps or improves anyone's draft status come NFL draft? No. You get more attention when you're winning. You get more attention when you're making plays. You get more attention when you're showing you're a teammate. Uh, so – uh, you know, big picture stuff is all about team and next week, if if anybody's got any sense, in my opinion. No, I think that's well stated. And so Florida State will get ready to go on the road to play Duke. I'm sure uh, if game time hasn't been announced already 
Uh, it will be today. It was either going to be noon or 3.30. Both Duke and Florida State lost, so I'm pretty sure that's going to be a noon game. The only upside for those of us that travel with the team is that gets us back to Tallahassee a little bit earlier instead of the wee hours, which is little consolation for a loss to Miami. I'll take a win over the Canes all day long. Unfortunately, that streak is over. I, I do worry just from the human nature standpoint of it, Keith, even if guys aren't trying to be selfish, that you got to – I think it's going to be upon the coaches, and more than the coaches, it's going to be upon the leaders on this team – uh, to sort of uh, lead lead other players potentially out of that. In situations like this, fans are often uh, looking for the coaching staff to make the difference. Uh, it's kind of like you've heard me say for years when it comes to enthusiasm and rah-rah and getting ready for a ball game. That's not the coach's responsibility. That's the, that's the, the seniors, the leadership's responsibility to get the team emotionally ready. It's, it's also the leadership of this team to keep this team together. And uh, if you start seeing uh, factions, uh, if you start seeing groups uh, getting annoyed at other groups, then you've got to step up and, and, and nip that. Uh, and that falls on the players. Uh, and I, I think I think this group is going to be annoyed, disappointed, uh, marginally mad enough. Uh, we'll see when we get to Durham. But uh, enough irritation that uh, they will rise to the occasion. I'm not worried about this squad, uh, you know, taking a direction uh, south. I think they'll continue to make movement fo- uh, forward. I'll remind you as we finish up that Keith and I do the regular 52-week year-round edition of Front Row Knowles. It comes your way every Wednesday at 6 o'clock right here on uh, 97.9 ESPN Tallahassee. We bring you this show, the Seminole Sunday version, uh, which we're going to have to rename, Keith, because ever since we – Tag Seminole Sunday onto it. Florida State's now gone one and three as we've done this show. So maybe that new name should come into play next week. What do you think? We'll give some thought to it. <laughs> we we might we might just have to make a mid-season uh, adjustment, a little course correction, shall we? Saying get that ironed out. No, but uh, we appreciate your listenership. Invite you to tune in on Wednesday if you don't already. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, get the WTSM app. You can stream the show live. Uh, you can go to the ESPN Tallahassee website, hit the drop-down menu in the audio vault, and find archives of the show as well. It is what it is. Jimbo said it after the game, and uh, it's a fact. Florida State is 1-3. Miami is back in the win column against the Knowles, and FSU will have to pick up the pieces and try to get right at Duke this week. That's all you can do. And again, repeating uh, my earlier comment, you can only control what happens in the next week, and that becomes your focus, and that should be the only thing you're focused on. Then we'll do it again. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. So long, everybody.